Welcome to the Mind Sensei Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Taz, and I'll be taking you on a journey to the world of martial arts and introduce listeners to some of the most aspiring and knowledgeable practitioners from around the world. Whether you're a seasoned martial artist or a curious beginner, or just enjoy hearing a great story, the Mind Sensei Podcast Down Under has something for everyone. So tune in, sit back, and let us take you on a journey through the world in martial arts. Ladies and gentlemen, martial arts enthusiasts and dedicated followers of wisdom, welcome back to the Mind Sensei podcast. I'm your host, Peter Taz. And if you've been with us from the beginning, you've already embarked on this incredible journey through the martial arts world with a living legend, Grandmaster Joe Rubello. In part one, we explored the roots of his martial arts journey. In part two, we delved into the intricate tapestry of his martial arts history. But here we are at the threshold of the grand finale, part three of our three-part series. Today, we have the privilege of continuing our conversation with Grandmaster Rubello, not just as a historian, but as a visionary peering into the future of martial art. In the concluding episode, we'll discuss the evolution of martial arts, its impact on communities, and the invaluable lessons it continues to offer. Grandmaster Rubello, with his 50-plus years of expertise, will share insights that stretch far beyond the dojo, reaching to the very heart of what martial arts represents in our lives. This episode promises to be a culmination of wisdom, experience and celebration of the profound impact martial arts can have on individuals and society. Whether you're a seasoned martial artist or someone just starting on his journey, Grandmaster Rebello's words are sure to resonate with you. So grab your metaphorical gi, get ready to absorb the final teachings of this incredible series and join us for the grand finale, part three of our conversation with the one and only Grandmaster Joe Rebello on the Mind Sensei podcast. This is an episode you won't want to miss. Let's quote Ed Parker, shall we? The mind's like a parachute. It works best when it's open. Keep an open mind. My Aikido instructor, Jack Leonardo, elaborated upon that phrase. He said, it is good to have an open mind, but it's even better to have an open heart. Ed Parker. Mr. Parker, if there's any one thing you could put in your studio, what would you do? He said, Joseph, I take one wall and I paint it white and in big 10 foot black letters. And at the time, Wham was popular with the big shirts and with the white with the big black, you know, letters on it. I'm actually going to have a shirt made something like that. Let's be deadly. But uh, he said, I'd have one word painted in black, 10 foot tall letters. Think. Ed Parker told me, and we were at a seminar, I said, I am teaching you to become a thinker, so you are not thumped upon. Mr. Parker was adamant about that. He was a very intelligent, articulate man. His mother, by the way, Ed Parker had a photographic memory as well, for those of you who did not know. He and his mother would play a game. He had a small child. He would walk along with his mother, say, to the grocery store, and a car would drive by. And she'd go, Edmund, what color was the car that drove by? Well, it was Blue Mother. How many wheels were on the car, Edmund? Four. No, no, there was a spare. Where was the spare located? Was it on the side of the car or on the back of the car? It was on the back of the car. How many people were in the car, Edmund? There were four. 
How many men, how many women, how many adults, how many children? Were any of them wearing a hat? And so they would play this game every day. So Mr. Parker's ability to look at things and be able to perceive different things instantly became part of his nature. Uh, one of my students, Dave Mondo from Des Moines, Iowa, tells a story when he was training with uh, Gilbert Velez, Arizona. And how a group of children, as Mr. Parker was sitting there, were getting ready to do a seminar. They walked in, come on, Mr. Parker, come on, Mr. Parker, come on, do it, do it. Can you do it? Come on, can you do it? Can you do the trick? Do the trick. And Mr. Parker, <sighs> okay. He was such a grandpa. He loved being grandpa, by the way. He loved it. Talk to his daughters. Talk to him. He loved being grandpa. Takes the box, opens it up, puts it, closes it, hands it back to the children. That quickly, by the way. And then proceeds to give a detailed explanation of every single thing that's in that box. His powers of observation were astronomical. That's why he worked so well with Elvis, working as a, as a bodyguard in security. He would pick up on things that other people wouldn't. Um, David Carradine tells a story about how he was at uh, Aaron Banks' Oriental World of Self-Defense. And this was during the height of the popularity of the Kung Fu series. And Mr. Parker was there as a special guest. And he was asked if he could, you know, oversee David Carradine and whatnot. And at one point, this huge crowd of people are all trying to bombard David and get autographs, pictures of a piece of David or whatever. So he grabs David by the arm and they proceed to hop over chairs in between rows to get away from the crowd. And David Carradine later on would say, I didn't think that big Hawaiian could move that fast. But here he was moving like a cat, like a gazelle over these rows of chairs to get me to safety. Be kind. Be kind to each other. Respect everybody. If you respect everybody, nobody gets offended. Do what you love, love what you do, and do it for a living. That's what I do. You know, most people, when they, when they, I mean, you know, it's the internet. 24 black belts, grandmaster in four of them. I always say, hey, look, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none, the adage goes. I'm a jack of all trades, master of several, grandmaster in at least four. I'm the exception to the rule. I'm not your average Joe. This is all I do. Anyone who really knows me knows that. Rochelle came to my studio and he's freaking. He's like, hey, Joe, I'm looking for the original 32. It's like, yeah, here you go. I got every version. What? I've got every version a Cunard Journal ever created. He sees my belt collection in my closet. Joe, did, did you earn all these belts? Yeah, why? Really? Yeah, why? Can I take pictures? Yeah, sure. Weapons are us. They cover the place. It's everywhere. They, I mean, they're everywhere. They're in the armrest of the chairs. They're in the background. They're in racks all over the place. You know, people walk in. It's like a stinking museum in here, Joe. I go, it's not like one. It is one. I'm located at the Hatch Street Studios, which is an artist's studios. And, um, it's cluttered, I'll tell you first straight out, man. 
I used to have about 25,000 square feet. And now I'm down to two. So there's a lot of clutter, but there's a lot of cool stuff too. And every time people walk in, they're like, oh, I get that wow factor. It's cool. Okay. Well, I have to but, come, I'll have to come you know, and visit then. Oh, you betcha. You bet. Yeah. I'll give you the, I'll give you, I'll give you the 50 cent on Facebook chat someday. Or I was going to say, roll 24th then. Um, so thank God for YouTube. Yes. Cause now I put the stuff out there. So anybody questions me, I love it when someone asks a question on YouTube or on, or on Facebook and whatnot, because I'll be more than happy to answer that question. I'll be, you know, I was a friend of mine was at a martial arts event and somebody mentioned me and started talking derogatorily about me. And this third guy who was at the table goes, you mean Kempo Joe? Are you kidding me? Kempo Joe, out of anybody in the world that you would pick, there's a guy that if you've got a question on a particular martial art, he will go out and he will make a detailed video extensively explaining that particular question or that art. It's amazing. I, I have, I say, I got playlists with just Kempo Joe stuff. That's amazing. All the stuff the guy's got in the chat. And I'm like, wow. I said, who is this guy? What the guy's name? I never heard of him. Never met him. Really? He goes, oh yeah, Joe. I was going to say something, but then he said it for me. And I was like, so there was a, a gentleman, uh, Sean Cypher. He was one of my students. And uh, he was on AOL. And uh, there was a guy on AOL called Dowin Out, David Villanueva. And um, he became kind of like, he, I don't think he meant it to be. He might have, though. Um, make, became kind of like a like a, a martial arts cult leader, kind of. Not, not, not saying I'm the, but not the derogatory term. How do you make a cult leader a non-derogatory term? I know. But um, he asked Sean, who was a Shaolin Kempo guy in Fred Valari system, to come by, take a class with me, and then come back on AOL and expose me as a phony and the fraud that I must have been. So Sean shows up and he shows up like five hours before his class. And I say, look, with all due respect, I got four classes before you back to back. So if you don't mind waiting and watching, we'll do, we'll do it at the end of the class. Okay. You can, we'll do your class. So I do like four different separate arts. So I'm like, it was four or five. It was a four or five hours. And then I come, okay, all right, I'll set for your class. Why don't you change up? And can I see you in the office? And he's like, yeah, sure. I'm not in the office with him. Says, um, look, um, can't look me in the face. Uh, Vi looks at me and goes, I need to apologize. Apologize? Why? What'd you do wrong? So he tells me a story. He says, Mr. Rebello, I watched you teach five different martial arts. Not only did you teach those different martial arts completely separately, and most times you also gave terminology in that language and then cross-referenced it to some of the other arts that you were taught earlier or later. I've never seen anyone ever do that. I said, wow, really? You need to get out more. <laughs> and I said, well, it's your turn for your class. Let's go over your system too. And he got back online and said, man, he is. He just is. Everything, all that in a bag of chips. And David was shocked by that. And then uh, I've had other people say the same thing. And you know what? Peter, at that point, <laughs> I'm doing my job. Well, I think the best thing you could do is get your students to a point where they ask you a question you can't answer, right? And then you've got to go looking for it. Oh, that takes a lot of work. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, and that right, and that inspires me. And go, you know what? 
I don't know that. I'm going to have to look that up. That's a fascinating question. Or when they do something that you never thought of. Yes. Ed Parker, Parker, what? A man becomes great when he realizes how little he knows. Hey, if you've got an idea, tell me. I want to know. That's why he created the Black Belt Thesis, to give him new ideas. Yeah. The universal pattern, that comes from Leonardo da Vinci. The Nunchaku set, that was a Black Belt Thesis from Rick Avery. Kicking set, that was a Black Belt Thesis from Tom Kelly. Most of the number two sets were created by Skip Hancock, along with Dennis Kanatsa when they were working with the titles, that came from a black belt thesis from Tom Riskus. A man so, becomes great when he realizes how little he knows. So who did the universal patch come from? That originally, I don't know who the individual was or if it was Mr. Parker himself, but this be, this comes from a theory, a uh, series of uh, geometric patterns put out by Leonardo da Vinci. Now, I don't know if another person did it and started showing the movements and how it applied to Kempo and Mr. Parker incorporated it. I don't know if it was Mr. Parker himself, but that's what I know. Yeah, yeah. 24 pages, volume four of Infinite Insights, man. Nice, nice. So while we're on that point, what books would you recommend if people were asking you about books to read? What books would you recommend or what are your favorite books? If Ed Parker wrote it, get it. Infinite Insights. Okay, so here's the thing. Peter, let me ask you a question. Who is Ed Parker's greatest inspiration? You asked Ed Parker, who is his greatest inspiration? Jesus Christ. If you're Ed Parker, ask Ed Parker, who is his greatest inspiration? My Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he followed Jesus' examples. Jesus only had four Gospels written about him. Mr. Parker had five. Mr. Parker detailed out how his system was created, formulated, and how to create your own system of martial arts based on his template. How many people are like to do that, Peter? Not many. But yet, nowadays, almost three or 33 years after Ed Parker's death, how many people got copies of Infinite Insights? You know? A little kid says, oh, read the Bible. It's this Bible. And you don't have it? Your instructors don't recommend it? Nobody's told you to get copies of it? As the phrase goes, things that make you go, hmm, why not? Some people in the early days say Ed Parker complicated Temple, including one of my instructors, David German. He had trained from a particular time frame with Mr. Parker. But even Mr. German, and you can find the interview on uh, on YouTube, you know, Ed Parker was a genius. We're in Massachusetts in 1988 at that seminar in New Bedford I was talking to you about. I said, Mr. Parker, uh, you know, after he said about the infinite insights, I said, Mr. Parker, you're a genius. I don't know about that, Joseph. Why, Mr. Parker? <laughs> Joseph, most geniuses are crazy. Ed Parker, um, at that same meal, at that same thing, uh, he was going out with a friend of mine's Brian DeMello. We've been together from the United, original United Studios and Justina Alder, national champion. And um, I said, Joseph, why don't you join us for dinner? Well, I don't know, Mr. Parker. I don't know if I'm worthy. Suddenly, I got 
the angry Ed Parker. Suddenly, I saw those laser beam eyes. Suddenly, I saw that look of, I'm going to tear you apart. And he looked at me. And with dead seriousness in his eyes and those laser beams, don't you ever say to me that you're not worthy to eat with me. Okay, this work. Okay, what's in that It's like, I know what it's like to have Ed Parker give you that look. Now, let me tell you something. I've been on the business end of Ed Parker, and thank God I was never on the business end when he had that look on his face, because I don't think I'd survive it. Particular memorable moments that stick in your mind, and have you met any other famous people in your journey? Oh, ton of them. That's what I do for a living. Um, Mr. Parker, we, um, so he went to visit the New Bedford studio in 85 and he was with, uh, Tony Cogliano and Clyde Griffin. And they wanted to go out to dinner and, um, Leo had to stay behind and teach classes. So I went to Mr. Parker and I brought him, um, uh, Mr. Parker was part Portuguese. So I brought him to a Portuguese restaurant. Well, I didn't know that when we went to that restaurant, that the soda machine had broken down. Mr. Parker was was a Mormon. He didn't drink st strong stimulants. He didn't drink tea. He didn't drink coffee. He didn't drink alcohol. I love people who sit there and say, oh yeah, I drank with Ed Parker all the time. Really? I knew the man for seven years. I never saw him drink a beer. I'm not saying he never drank one, but I'm saying as a rule, when in public and different things, he wouldn't. So there's a Portuguese drink called Simon, and I had ordered one in orange, not Anja. And he asked for one of those. He said, oh, that was the last one. He says, well, what do you have left? Well, all about we have is pineapple. And again, I watch Ed Parker get that look of disgust in his face and kind of roll his eyes. All right, I'll take that. Mr. Parker, there is a store right across the way. The, all the owners know me. I can run across, grab anything you want. Not a problem. It takes a minute. No, no, you don't have to do that. Are you sure, Mr. Parker? No, it'll be all right. Okay, Mr. Parker, I gotta ask. I saw you kind of roll your eyes about pineapples. You're from Hawaii. I mean, pineapple is one of the staples. Why don't you like pineapple? And Mr. Parker, you guess that. Uh, Joseph, first job I ever worked at was at a pineapple packing plant. My job at that plant was to core center of the pineapples and then ream the outside edge of the pineapples to make and then they were sent down and sliced into pineapple bricks i worked that job eight hours a day five days a week for two and a half months by the end of two weeks i never ever wanted to see a pineapple for the rest of my natural life he says let me tell you another story regarding that when I was working with Elvis, Elvis would get on these kicks. And I'm quoting Ed Parker directly, by the way. This is not paraphrasing. So one time Elvis gets on this pizza kick and we have pizza morning, afternoon, and night for three weeks straight. And more than once, he gets a Hawaiian pizza with ham and pineapple. And I hate pineapple. Now, did you know that coring and reaming are two of the major terms 
and originally Form 7 and Form 8, which are designed to cut the eyelid off an eye and the core, the cornea, out of the center of the eye. Many years later, actually someone here in my studios, that uh, artist studios, would sit there and they had a pineapple coring and reaming machine on a large metal tripod. And I got how see the blades moved in one direction to ream and another direction to core. And that's why these actions are a heck of a lot more than finger set with knives. But most people don't know that, do they? Stay out. So a lot of people say Form 6 was the last Parker form. Seven was. Seven was given to you once you knew the whole system. When you knew the whole system, Ed Parker based it originally on a Chinese double butterfly sword form he had learned when learning Kung Fu. At one point on YouTube, somebody from a particular southern lineage of Hungar put that form on YouTube. They put it on for only a week and a half, and you could tell that was the form that Ed Parker had learned it from, and then they yanked it. And to this day, I'm at the Acme butt-picking machine wishing I could have recorded it. But I know for a fact, even to hammer, chop, thrust, stab, hammer, roll, chop, thrust, and slice, stab, that's at the end of the form. It's to teach you how to do that. Now, this is what happened. Let's go back to Larry Tatum. Larry Tatum gets a call from a Filipino martial artist, wants to do a seminar at a school because you Kempo guys don't do sticks. Suddenly, Larry Tatum is that French guard portrayed by John Cleese in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, we have one. We have a stick form. You got a stick form? Oh, yeah, it's pretty nice. So the guy hangs up the phone. He calls up Mr. Parker and tells him the story. So uh, Mr. Parker says, uh, so uh, Larry, uh, we, we got this. We got a stick form? Oh, yeah, Mr. Parker. Really? Oh, yeah. And where does this form come from? Why, you, Mr. Parker. And uh, I guess I'm supposed to now create this double stick form. Um, yes, sir. And that became the impetus behind form seven. Now, correction time, ladies and gentlemen. Bing bong. Did you know that Ed Parker never referred to the double weapons as sticks? He always referred to them as clubs. Clubs, yeah. The reason clubs, for that is, right, club form, club set, no sticks. You know, Matt, you stick someone with a knife and you club a baby seal to death, okay? Club them to death. Why? Because Ed Parker one time was asked by the various law enforcement groups he taught in his early career to teach a way that it was acceptable to utilize a club. This was during the 1960s and the college riots and police officers doing police brutality and raining down on college students. And they were like, hey, we need a more diplomatic way to do that. Well, what did Parker do? Holding it underhand grip or the cradle grip. Strike the groin. And I was like, give me one brief shining moment here. I realize for you listening in, you're going to sit there and say, I can't see what he's doing. So I'll try to describe this. Let's see. Closest club I have nearby. Well, Mr. Parker, try. 
was a cradled position. Now, this is a little bit longer than it should. Well, actually, it's not that. Not that. If I follow the, I was always taught the form goes from uh, the middle finger all the way to the point of your elbow. Plus a hand, yep. Right, plus a hand. Now, Kathy Owens told me at one point it's supposed to be additional two fingers to signify seven. I had not heard that from Mr. Park. But anyway, in the in a contracted or cradled position, you would strike underneath to the groin. You would strike inward, you would strike outward horizontally, and then over the top, and then place it on your sternum. That's the end of the form. Later on, Tak Kubota would teach a baton technique book, which Mr. Park was very upset with because it used a lot of underhand drawing and striking from that position. Later on, he would apply that to swordsmanship in the film The Hunted. Not the not the um not the Del Toro one, but uh, an earlier one with um, uh, Christopher Lambert. And again, that cradled or ninja-like position. What, what's your philosophy on cross-training? And have you incorporated any ground fighting into any of the things you teach? I work with, D I work with David German, the man who incorporated tempo and jiu-jitsu. He did it before it was cool. When four of the things in the UFC were all taken by David German for the Gracies to use it in the UFC, early days of the UFC, that's a pretty good role model. A man who trained simultaneously without Thomas and Budo Jiu-Jitsu and Kempo with Ed Parker. And every class, when he went to work with Ed Parker, oh, without Thomas go over with you today. And every class without Thomas was, hey, what Ed Parker go over? And they either create a counter to it or they'd incorporate it. I was so blessed to work with David Sherman. And uh, just a great man. For those of you who have not got them, they're going to be re-released. I talked to Don Warner about it. Um, he has the rights to all the Panther production. There are four wonderful videos put out by David Sherman. Um, you can get bootleg copies right now on eBay. I'm not condoning it, but I'm saying, hey, it's there. You know, you can't get them right now, so if you can get them, get them. The uh, Kempo Jiu-Jitsu Connection, which I named my system a Thai, Kem Thai Kempo Jiu-Jitsu after. Um, the uh, Deliata Chinna. Um, dynamic and explosive choking strangulation techniques and uh, ground ground techniques, explosive uh, explosive ground techniques. Um, had a great flow, nice. smooth flow of transition I've seen from Kempo Jiu Jitsu that I've ever seen. Period. Nice. Other people get yeah, no aspersion against them. I just think I just think if IMHO, in my humble opinion, David German does the smoothest transition from Kempo into Jiu Jitsu. Period. Nice. Either standing, kneeling, or to the ground. And do you have a specific syllabus for jiu-jitsu kempo? Or do you oh, teach yeah. one in your... Yes, and then I also teach Nindoru jiu-jitsu, which is more of a traditional Japanese style of jiu-jitsu. actually has five influences, like the five fingers of the hand. So we have Chinese chin-na, Okinawan tuite, um, um, uh, um, Japanese jiu-jitsu, a uh, Hawaiian blend like Danzaburu jiu-jitsu, and the Filipino influence of jiu-jitsu like Dumo. All five of those influences comprise Nindoru jiu-jitsu. And uh, we have several branches of Nindoru jiu-jitsu or Goshen jiu-jitsu, which has more of a Kempo flavor, which wasn't put together by me. It was put together by one of my students who also worked with me in Kempo and said, oh, I, lo I love this Kempo stuff. But one-handed technique, we got to put that blend that in with the jiu-jitsu. It's fine. And uh, Sensei Fabrez, Carlos Fabrez sat there and said, okay, call it Goshen jiu-jitsu, Goshen jiu-jitsu. Self-defense, jujitsu, no. so on. Um, you know, various influences. But yeah, to not do and you know, and hey, it must be tough. Must be tough 
to see the forest with all those trees in the way. I mean, all the jujitsu techniques, I got so upset one day, not upset, but Al Tracy kept saying about stuff about, you know, not having enough, not having a lot of jujitsu in that tempo and how Ed Parker threw out most of it. I'm going, really? Really? And then I did a video on it. I said, boy, for somebody who threw out jujitsu, there's a ton of it all over the place, just in a yellow and orange bow material. Let's go look, shall we? And then I did and went over it in detail as a jujitsu black belt in several different jujitsu styles. Nice. So it's there. It's got to know what you're looking for, where it comes from. So do you have any funny or weird stories you could tell? What's your funniest story amongst your journeys? I've had simple phrases I've learned in the years um, that I teach in my training. Uh, another shirt I'll probably have made sooner or later. Uh, Kipo, greetings from the land of beatings. Uh, <laughs> I love that one. You want to watch a really funny video? Watch David Jerk demonstrating uh, cane technique on me. And somebody was talking to me and he said, Oh, that's funny how you're making noises every time you know he does a technique. And I'm going, Making noises? This guy's cranking me. I see only one I don't do that's not real is when he turns cane. Thankfully, he turned it sideways and was going to put it up my butt. I didn't need proctology 101 with a cane. I didn't want to go, What? You know, <laughs> but uh, other than that, that dude's hurting me. Yeah, but I'm hurting for certain. Yeah. Nice. Nice. You know, it's story, you know, there's a bunch of them over the years. You know, it's just so much fun. Yeah. And that, you know, Peter, that's the key. It's fun. I'm having fun doing this. I'm enjoying this. I'm having there's so much great joy in doing what I do, man. I I, you know, and people talk to me, oh, thinking about opening up a school, I said, go for it. But how much are you willing to sacrifice? Because you got to sacrifice. Yeah. For me, not a big. I'm like, okay, I, I got to give up or give up that. Okay, no biggie, not a problem. Because I'm doing what I love. Go. Some of the deadliest people I ever met on the planet were also some of the nicest, the kindest, most giving, wonderful human beings that was ever my privilege to know. And I'm truly blessed by that and truly fortunate. And you know the coolest part of all? Yeah, I'm not alone. They did that for so many people. They guided them, taught them, made them smile, made them laugh. And that's what it's all about. We got to feel good because when we have to use this art, we got to be pretty bad. I always think the beauty of any given tempo technique, Peter, is the ability to stop. At any point during any tempo technique, I can stop. If you're in a fetal position calling for your mother, I can stop. If you're literally running down the street away from me, I could stop. That's the beauty of the art. How has martial arts impacted your physical and mental well-being? Um, and do you incorporate personal development into your martial arts and and into your practice? Well, yeah. Look at my life. Now it's a running gag. You know, anybody who knows me goes, this is all Joe does. No, no, you don't get it. This is all Joe does. He doesn't do anything else. All he does is martial arts. That's all he does. He eats, sleeps, and breathes it. It's his existence. And it is. I have no problem with that. And it's like, you know, those men, like I said, some of the nicest people in the world. They taught me to be a better person. They taught me to be a nice guy. 
be kind, considerate, loving, and caring to individuals. It's in the middle of the man's name. Kealoha. Do you know what Kealoha means, Peter? It's beloved. See this? You recognize the one on top, right? What's the yeah. one on the bottom? Have you seen that before? No. KKA. Why? Because it's not. KKAA. Now, it stands for several things. First of all, it stands for Mrs. Parker's original organization, which was the Kempo Karate Association of America. But with me, it stands for the Kealoha Kento American Alliance. It's a small group that I have. And, uh, you know, have I done a lot with it? I've done things here and there with it. But it's all about a study group to learn about, as Paul Harvey would say, the popular American radio announcer, the rest of the story. Learn about the history, the philosophy of what makes our art our art. Kenpo is our beloved art. Ed Parker is our beloved instructor. I just want to share the love, the love of the art of Kenpo. And that's why I had him made. Nice, nice. What advice would you have for someone starting out in the martial arts? Um, pick a good school. Um, a couple of things. If they don't let you watch, don't stay. Don't stay. Two, if they will they offer you a free introductory class or small small fee, one or a series of classes so you get a taste of what you're learning. Always ask other students what they think of their school. Ask them stories about their school. What they like, what they may not like. Um, I said the mind's like a parachute. Works best when it's open. Keep an open mind learning about different material. This isn't always true, but if a style won't let you cross train, they either do it because they're insecure about themselves, they're worried you're going to leave them and go somewhere else, and those are valid to an extent. But well, you know, we've got it all here. You don't need to go. I've had the people say that about Ed Parker's Kempo. We've got it all here. You don't need to go into the systems. Yeah, you do. Sometimes it's great to go outside your system because you'll get confirmation of certain things within your system. Things you never thought about or realized. And go, oh, wow, that's why we do that in Mr. Parker's system. Well, that's why we do that attack in Mr. Parker's system. I see people all the time. They can't do the sneaking attacks. It's sad and pathetic. I watch people all the time. What's the attack? What? And they try to struggle. And I'm like, no, it's supposed to be. And I then I show footage of Mr. Parker doing it. So they can see how he created it, how the system was created. That's all dying. Yeah. As one of the first generation black belts die, more information and material dies with it. That's the other half Everybody of the system, there. right? One half of the system is learning to defend. The other half of the system is learning how to throw the actual attack so you can throw it when you need it. Right? Man, that's half the battle. You know, there's a jujitsu, ladies and gentlemen. Twisted twig. Learn to do a wrist lock. Yeah, it's a yin and yang. Escape from death. How to do a rear naked strangle. Grasp a death and grip a death. How to properly do a headlock. In progress and completed. By the way, no two attacks in Ed Parker's Kepo techniques are exactly the same. Anyone who says that, I will go, really? Yeah. Man, you need to look at your system again. Yeah. No two techniques are exactly alike. Something changed somewhere. Well, a lot of people, as a system evolved, they altered the attacks. Because they didn't know better. Well, they can't make the technique work most of the times, but he he, oh, man. Put, he put category completion into the attacks as well. And oh, of course. Yeah. They were all there. 
Dope. Our planet starts off real Mr. Parker used to have. It had front, side, rear, left hand, right hand, both hands. Grab, push, punch, kick, hold, hog, lock, choke, single, mobile. It was this wheel that Ed Park used to have. Would it it in the middle and you turn the things and that became the topic what that night's technique was talking about. Back to you. We're talking about the books. And have you, you've been featured in a few books, I suppose? Yes. Actually, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I've been featured on several of the Who is Who books by Jesse Bowen, starting off with martial arts uh, masters and pioneers. I've also been featured in a couple of the action martial arts event books. Again, I got involved with action martial arts over, gosh, almost 20 years. No, not 20, no. I first got involved with Alan Goldberg interviewing for my TV show, Martial Arts Today TV. And uh, in it, I mentioned about him being involved with the original version of the Guardian Angels long before Curtis Sliwa with his instructor, Jason Lau. And then I mentioned how I had seen him on the Montel Williams show when it was a regional show out of New York where he basically challenged a women's self-defense instructor, not to a physical fight, to what his credentials were to be an expert in women's self-defense. And he's like, you saw that? You remember that? Yeah, we got King System used to get WPIX, which your Martel show was on at that time. How do you remember that? Why do you remember that? Years later, when discussing about that, you know, Joe Rebello knew so much about him. Thought I'm going to have to kill him. <laughs> I was like, what do you think? He's no furniture. I'll take it a lot. He'd invited me to the inaugural one that he had had, and I didn't go. He didn't nominate me. And many years passed, about 13 years later, he contacted me again after he had met me and said, Joe, well, you know, uh, I, I really want you to be there. So I showed up. It was an incredible event. And I was like, wow, why did I wait on 13 years? And some people said, Joe, you came at a good time because this was really when it was in its heyday. We were talking about something and he was like, um, after the event, he goes, uh, hey, I got this new uh, podcast starting up and talked about my show. And I goes, I want a job? Sure. So I started working on his podcast, being one of the co-hosts. And then I became the master of ceremonies for his trade show. And then, unfortunately, we recently, uh, the Master of Ceremonies for the Hall of Honors, Michael De Pasquale, sorry to choke up, he's a good friend of mine, I knew him for 30 years, and I just, I miss him, still miss him, a wonderful human being. And he passed away. And before that, when he was alive, he said, Alan, I can't do it anymore. He had had a, a, a back injury, they also had a, a botched surgery where he was in a wheelchair after time. He said, I can't do it anymore. He says, look, get you. If anybody can do it, it's Joe. And that was the greatest compliment I could have ever gotten. And so the last couple of years, I've been the uh, Master of Ceremonies for the Hall of Honors. A lot of compliments, a lot of people very happy that I'm in that position now. I'm very grateful and humbled and thankful to be there with them. Uh, it means a lot to me. It means a lot to me. But because of that and my television program, I've been interviewing instructors, masters, celebrities in the martial arts, the action event. I'm good friends now. I never thought I'd say that with Cynthia Rothrock, Don the Dragon Wilson, Michael Jai White, Stephen Hayes, um, um, John Pellegrini and his wife Trisha Pellegrini. I mean, it runs. It, it's a. It's like a who's who and a what's what. Uh, Linda Dent. I and the greatest compliment, Peter, is when um, I talk to people, get to know me and whatnot. Um, we've had people show up at the event like Dana. He shows up one year. 
and she's looking around like a like a scared deer. And I go, Dana he, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm really glad you're here. And he's like, I don't think anybody remembered me. Right. No one's going to remember the gold medalist who won for the United States at Taekwondo as a demonstration point in Barcelona in the Olympics. No one's going to remember the woman who who worked as a stunt woman in Hollywood, who doubled for everybody from Alicia Silverstone to uh, uh, Renee uh, Russo in, in Lethal Weapon. Now, nobody's going to remember the person who portrayed a major character on the TV series Mortal Kombat Conquest. No, no one's going to remember you at all. She grabs me by the arm. She goes, I love you. And I go, you know how long I wanted a woman like you to say that to me? You know. Same situation happened with Cheryl Wheeler. And, um, you know, same situation, looking around and same thing where I write. The one who had the oncoming, uh, the, the, the ongoing feud with you and Gracie Escasila for women kickboxing. The woman who studied uh, in Florida with Yoshu Kai. And the woman who worked Yamamoto and, and Michael Foster. And she's like, same thing, grab my arm, her arm, and goes, I love you. And I go, yeah, what is, I love this. Let's just be a friend of mine. I didn't think anybody would remember me. I'm going, you got it, kid. Really? Nice. That's nice. what makes it magic moment. That's what makes it all worthwhile. Oliver Gruner wants it. Right? And again, just kind of looking around. Not looking for anybody to recognize him or acknowledge him. Just looking. And I'm right at the front. So all of my God, Oliver Gruner. I didn't know you were going to be here. You know what? I was just in New York at a meeting and I heard about the event. My friends are here and I just came by to see them. And it was like, I didn't know. If, and again, man, these people are so humble. I didn't think anybody would remember me. I go, right. Hey, Oliver, you're talking to a guy who wants copies of Angel Town, Nemesis, The Circuit, La Savate. And I'm waiting for your new one, Matt, Assassin X to come out. The chemist, right? And he just looks at me and he goes, man, thank you. And it was like, Alan, oh, the is here. Holy crap. You know, it's like, and that's what makes it all worthwhile. And it, it, it's just so precious, you know? Michael Jai White. Let's get one on that. So Michael, I knew back when he was a, a kid, literally a kid, kid teenager. And he was competing at Lula Zotz tournament in uh, Connecticut, Connecticut Nationals. Look how old Michael was, but he was still like, like a kid. So he's waiting at the concession stand and he's trying to get money off his buddies so he can get enough money to get a soda. I look over and said, Michael? Yes, Sensei? Want a soda? Yeah. What do you want? Coke. Small, large. Large. Sensei? Yeah, Michael. Ask a question? Sure, Michael. How do you know me? I said, honestly? He goes, yeah. You're the only black kid in the division named White. Without us. Yeah. When Michael made the cover of Black Belt Magazine as Man of the Year, he was at an event that was run by one of my students, Steve Perry. Not Journey Steve Perry, no Steve Perry, who runs a great company called Altered Reality Entertainment. And Michael was a special guest. One is one of the many. One of the biggest comic cons right now in the United States, as a matter of fact. So I see Michael there and I bow and I talk about it. And I sit there and say, um, I said, Look, would you sign this? And I bring the magazine. Goes, oh, yeah, certainly. Hey, I want to show you something. 
Now, Michael's done Kyokushinkai for many years. He's renowned for his study of Kyokushin. So I pull out a first edition copy of Masoyama's This Is Karate. And I said, you ever seen this? He goes, eyes get wide. He goes, no. I mean, I've heard about it, but I've never seen one. I slide it to him. He's looking through the book. He said, if you look in the back and you look for schools, you're going to see House of Oyama, Dave Schuster, New Bedford, Massachusetts. That was the North Amer Northeast American representative. That was my father's instructor. It was handed back to me. I said, no, no, no. Michael, you don't get it. My gift to you. And his jar drops and leans back for a moment. And he gets right up close to his Ray, formal bow. Peter, those are the magic moments. Can't buy moments like that, man. They'd be, they're precious and they'll always be saved. And if I can do that, then my job. This is my job. Welcome to my job. As George Carlin, the late, great George Carlin would say. Tell us a little bit about your, your cable show and your YouTube channel. Um, the show started by me being at McDonald's. And I was at McDonald's and I was there with Richie Brandon and Hosung Park. And we were talking about a life and careers. And, you know, many people didn't know that, that Richie was blind in one eye for most of his natural life. Um, you know, Hosung Park, we're talking about training in Chicago, he and his brother Ho Young. And we were, not, we're just shooting the breeze, talking about where we were going for the next tournament. And I thought to myself, man, if only I had a camera or a video camera to record this right. What awesome stuff we could talk about. Then Mr. Parker died. And I thought of all those times I was with him. And some were recorded and some weren't. And I thought to myself, man, you know, going over two-man techniques in New Bedford or going over circular grafting in Connecticut it was never recorded. Fascinating stuff that I knew existed for it as a fact. But we never see the light of day because it was never recorded. So after Mr. Parker died, I had a friend of mine who was Mike Antune's father, who was, if you've ever seen Eddie and the Cruisers, or you're familiar with John Cafferty and the Beach yeah. Brown Band. Yeah, so Eddie and the Cruisers, yeah. Sax yeah, he was a saxophone player. He also was a black belt in Kempo and in Taekwondo. Uh, he trained with Dave Arundel in, in Rhode Island and whatnot, and was a third-generation martial artist. And his son, Michael, would later come and train with me as well as Michael's two sons. Uh, Michael actually eventually got his black belt in Filipino martial arts through Remy Priestess, through me, and through training with Remy at the different camps. So anyway, after Mr. Parker died, I talked to Mr. Antunes about his show. And I saw in Black Belt Magazine, there was a guy, Tom Ferrer. He was one of the newscasters for KTLA in Los Angeles. And he had a TV show called Martial Arts Today, which was a local cable show in California. And I really became interested in starting my own show. Now, Mr. Antunes was paying a certain amount of got sponsors that would pay for his TV time. But then I found out about public access, and that's what Mr. Tom Ferrer was working on. I tried to contact my local cable system. And basically was told, no, 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 it's not, you know, it's not available. The machines, the, the, the cameras are broken. Sorry. And I'm like, okay. So I got Tom for his number. I called him. I told him my story. He goes, what? 
Hey, Joe, got a question for you. How many people live in New Bedford? So well, between 100 and 150,000. How many people do you say are on cable? Oh, I'd say about half. Do me a favor, pull out your cable bill. And I did. I said, I want you to look for something called franchise fee or access fee. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's one there, access fee. How much is it? Three bucks. So you're telling me that 50 to 75,000 people are paying $3 a month each. That's supposed to specifically go to public access, educational access, government access. Really? So um, a few days later, I see the head of the city council at that time, George Rogers. I say, hey, George, I tell my story. I said, George, just access fee. It's not just for public access. It's for educational access for the school system and government access so they can record the city council meetings and show them to the general public. Man, $3 a month times 50 to 75,000. Hey, George, I wonder where all that money's going. And I walked away. The next meeting, man, that was all now. Huge brouhaha started because everybody wanted to know where all that money was. Why was it the equipment fit? Right? And it ended up creating a major cable studio eventually. Uh, at least 25 years long. My show has been on longer. I would sit there with two VCRs and a little Amigo video toasted that a friend of mine said, and I would create martial arts today. So um, Jeff Speakman shows up, and Jeff, like I told you, does the hand sword private lesson story. And Jeff is promoting the perfect weapon, and he's at the Hard Rock Cafe promoting the movie. I talked to him when I first met Jeff. Um, we had a mutual friend, and this mutual friend, but they both trained under the Larry Tatum together. He knew each other, and anyway, so the, there was different things about him that were um, colorful. And when I mentioned this particular person, Jeff got out of his chair, grabbed me by the arm, pulled me aside. You know who that is? goes, yeah, I know. That's why I mentioned the name. You know, so we have a laugh over it. You know, he was like, so I said, look, um, he's doing a seminar in Rhode Island. This guy at Wilson School. And I said, look, I got this TV show, Martial Arts Today TV. Now, Peter, I didn't tell him it was going to be the first show. I just told him I had the show. So we did our first episode with no less than Jeff speaking. And you can watch that on YouTube. And that began the journey for Martial Arts Today, Martial Arts Today TV. And I named it after Tom Ferrer's show to honor him. Later on, I would change it to Martial Arts Today TV because other people started to name their shows Martial Arts Today. And I didn't want them, what I'll do is just against him. I didn't want him writing on my coattails because it's my show originally. And also, you know, I wanted people to, to, to know. And, you know, I had people that, oh, my show's about shots today. Oh, Joe Rebello's show? And sometimes they play ignorant. Oh, who's that? It's like, maybe you don't know. And I had guys that, you don't know Campo Joe? Poet didn't even know it. I love that phrase. So now the show's been on. October 3rd makes 35 years on the air. We are now in over nine, actually more cable systems, because now they look on the mass server, the Massachusetts server, and different cable systems will pick it up. Not only Massachusetts, but other states as well. Uh, we're also on YouTube. We also have extended YouTube exclusive episodes. And like I said, the big thing is when someone looks at me and goes, how do you know that? Why do you know that? And talk about their life and career with an educated eye. So that they know that I appreciate 
what they do. That's key. If you had to impart some wisdom on our listeners or an inspirational quote, what would it be from Kempo Joe? Couple. One, learn technique becomes an instinctive reflex through repetition. Do it to your sick and tired of it and then do it some more. Remember, it's never enough. It's never enough repetitions. It's never enough times practicing it. Peter, I'm a survivor. I've been stabbed. I've been slit with a straight razor to the tune of 26 stitches. I've been shot at and shot. I've had people attack me with axe handles and clubs. I've had people threaten me with blades to my face. As experiences go, they all suck. But I'm still alive to talk about them. I had six guys try to carjack me and me. Still alive to talk about it. You can't you can't ever practice enough, but you sure can try. I always tell my students to watch things with an educated eye. And what I mean, as you learn something and learn a particular art, I'll send them videos on YouTube and I'll say, what do you see? Tell me what you see here. What do you recognize? What don't you recognize? What do you look at and go, wow, that's cool. I got to learn that. I say, haven't you learned it already? Here's another phrase that Parker would always say. Blank is nothing more than blank. A chop is nothing more than a hammer fist done with an open hand. A kick is nothing more than an exaggerated step. Ed Parker would teach constantly in parables. Remember, he was inspired by Jesus Christ. And like Jesus, he wanted to teach in parables that the local person could connect with and relate to. Ed Parker always did that. It's the beauty of the art and the man, and the man doing his art. Search for confirmation of the fact. If this art does it, and that art does it, but if you cross-trade, oh, you can't learn that. Confirmation of the fact is when you learn something that you've learned in one art, see it in another, and it confirms what you've learned. You know you're on the right path. I use with all my students. You know, I show them different footage because I want them to know that they're learning the right stuff. I want them to know that they're learning from a good instructor. I want them to know by looking at other sources, they go, hey, I know that stuff. One of my students, Aaron Jakes, he goes to the Action Martial Arts. There are 50 free seminars, 50 seminars over the course of three days. Amazing. And he goes to them and sometimes he stays, most times he walks out. I go, what's the matter? You're in a seminar. We already went over that. I've already learned that from you. I'm like, dude, you should still go in. There's always something new you're going to learn. Don't ever think you got it all because you trained with me. In no way, shape, or form. Always be willing to learn. And you never know who you're going to learn from. You can learn from your own white belt students. Don't let the rank on a, on a belt, you know, blind you. As a friend of mine, John Cena, would say, you can't see me. I want to see you, man. I want to see what you do. I want to see how you do it. It gives me greater insight. So for people interested in training with you, where can people find you? Location, country, sure. website? I am, 
Hi, I'm Joe Rebello, known to many around the internet and the martial arts world as Kenpo Joe. I'm the owner and operator and chief bottle washer at Rebello's Kenpo Karate, located at 88 Hatch Street, Suite 312, New Bedford, Massachusetts. Zip code 02745. You can contact me via AOL at my email, KenpoJoe at AOL.com. Yeah, I know. I still have an AOL account. It's just fine for me. You can also contact me online through Facebook at Joe Rebello, R-E-B-E-L-O. On the L's, it's one, not two, not two, but one. I'm a rebel at an O. I'm too cool to afford two L's. You can also find me on Twitter and also Instagram. I believe in both. It should say Kenpo Joe underscore Rebello. I might be wrong, but you know what? If you punch up Kenpo Joe, especially through Google, I say, hey, I'm Kenpo Joe. Google me, baby. Bing me later. You can't find me on the internet? You ain't looking. If you want to train with me, it doesn't matter where you are. Welcome to the 21st century, ladies and gentlemen. You can take private lessons with Kenpo Joe. You can do it through Facebook chat or Zoom. Normally, you can pay me through PayPal or one of the services. I'm here to help. Got a question? Hey, a lot of people ask me questions. They end up becoming YouTube videos. You know, watch my YouTube videos. If you have a question, you want to train me in a particular given martial art, I'm only a phone call, a text, or an email away. It is Kempo Joe underscore Rubello with one L on Instagram. Yeah, I'm going to be doing that in a couple of weeks because I'm going to Dragon Fest. So what's Dragon Fest? That's a big event run by Michael Matsuda. Okay. Look up Michael Matsuda at yeah. the History Museum. Matter of yeah. fact, I did not have a long episode on it with Michael. I've, I've seen, I've watched some of the, he's got a YouTube channel and stuff like that, so that's pretty cool. He does. Yeah. The latest yeah. Yeah. That. So what does Michael Matsuda do? He studies martial arts as well. He's the curator of the Martial Arts History Museum. He's a... Uh, Monkey Kung Fu practitioner who studied with Pauli Zink and teaches monkey-style Kung Fu. He worked as a journalist and editor from the martial arts magazines when they were in existence. Yeah, a, he works for Trader. I'll have to try and get him on a podcast. Definitely talk to him. There's someone that's going to be very overall martial arts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I must have hundreds of hours in this park. Nice. I'd be nice. happy to the light. Well, first thing I want to say is thank you. Thank you for creating Mind Sensei. Thank you for putting this together. You know, imitation is the highest form of flattery. And I'm not saying you got it from me, but I'm saying it's wonderful when I see people doing television programs and podcasts and giving back. You know, we, I, I always say, give back to the gene pool. Give back to the martial arts world. Give back through your chosen discipline or other disciplines. You know, I'm always listening to these podcasts because I never know what I'm going to hear. I never know what insightful statement a person will make or a story or, you know, I mean, I'm so psyched you're doing this. I'm so ecstatic about it. Thank you for sending me your patch. We're going to, it's been eight years since my last YouTube video about my patch collection. We're going to do an updated one on Kenpo patches with an N and then Kenpo patches from other styles of Kenpo. I have approximately, I don't know, 2000 Kenpo and Kenpo patches alone. And I still need more. I still see certain individuals go, hey, I don't have that one. Hey, can you send me a copy of that or what? You know, I love it. Um As we conclude this epic three-part series on the Mind Sensei podcast, I'm filled with gratitude and inspiration 
after the incredible journey we've experienced with Grandmaster Joe Rubello. Today in part 3 we reached the pinnacle of our exploration, venturing into the future of martial arts with a true visionary. A heartfelt thank you to Grandmaster Rubello for generously sharing his vast wealth and knowledge, experiences and profound insights that only martial arts maestro of his calibre can offer. Your wisdom has undoubtedly left an indelible mark on our minds and hearts, and for that we are truly grateful. To our listeners, thank you for joining us on this enlightening voyage. Whether you've been practicing martial arts for years or just beginning to discover its wonders, we hope you found inspiration in the words of Grandmaster Joe Rubello. Remember, the essence of martial arts goes beyond the physical. It's a journey of self-discovery, discipline and continuous learning. As we bid farewell to this extraordinary series, let's carry forward the lessons we've learnt from Grandmaster Joe Rubello into our own martial arts journeys and indeed our lives. Until next time, keep the spirit alive, stay tuned for more captivating episodes on the Mind Sensei podcast. I'm your host, Peter Taz, signing off. For more information on Master Joe Rubello, he can be contacted on Instagram on Joe underscore Rubello, also at his website on www.kenpojoe.com, also on Twitter at Joe underscore Rubello, Facebook page joe.rubello.39, be contacted on his email at kempojoe at aol.com and also on his YouTube channel at kempojoe1. It's also available for lessons at his studio location in New Bedford at Rebello's Kempo Karate, 88 Hatch Street, Suite 312, New Bedford, Massachusetts, 02745, phone number plus one seven seven four three six zero four one one six or you can read the links in our show notes. I'm your host, Peter Taz, and you've tuned in to the Mind Sensei podcast from Down Under. We want to take a moment to thank all our listeners for tuning in to the Mind Sensei podcast. We appreciate your support and hope our show has been both informative and entertaining for you. If you haven't already done so, We would like to invite you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know when we release new content and you'll have access to all of our past episodes. We also encourage you to visit our website at mindsensei.au where you can find additional resources related to martial arts. On our site, you can read blog posts, videos and learn more about the guests we feature on our show. Finally, we'd like to thank our guests for sharing their knowledge and experience with us. Without their generosity, this podcast would not be possible. Thank you again for listening to the Mind Sensei podcast down under. We hope that you continue to join us on this journey through the world of martial arts.